Well, welcome again, New Hope Chapel's Friday, Good Friday service. Again, <clears throat> I welcome those of you that are streaming or whatever you call that. You're on your, I guess, little gadgets and you're watching us. My title this morning is simply, I Thirst. My text is the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 28 and 29. So as I usually do, no matter when I preach, I ask the Lord to anoint me. And I go to Psalm 1914. I was talking to Andrea. I said, do people get tired of the fact that I'm always going to Psalm 1914? And she said, well, if you didn't, they would think something was wrong. (laughs) Nothing is wrong except that I must seek the Lord for the the words that are his thoughts, my words. So dear Lord, this, this evening... Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, our text, as I said, is the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 28 to 29. And in verse 28, we find the fifth saying that Jesus cried from the, from the cross. And we read in verse 28, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, says, I thirst. Verse 29, Now there was a set, now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it in his mouth. Now this evening, I want to call this to a place called Calvary. Calvary, the place where we come with our sin and we receive salvation. Calvary is where we come with our ruin and we receive his righteousness. Calvary, the place where we come with our darkness and we receive his light. Calvary is the place where we come with our hate and our rebellion and we receive his love. And as we look at this fifth saying of Jesus from the cross, we see that these words differ from all the rest. In that it has to do with Jesus' own personal suffering and the personal agony that he's experiencing on the cross. And as we hear him cry out, I thirst, we catch something of the agony and something of the pain and something of the suffering that the Lord is enduring on Calvary. Of course, Jesus suffered much even before he was nailed to the cross. There was that beating that Jesus received where the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, took and took that lash upon his back. We can't forget the crown of thorns that pierced all of his nerve endings in his scalp and allowed the blood to blind him as it flowed over his eyes. And then, of course, Jesus, when he was laid upon the cross, he felt that excruciating pain that came because of the unbearable physical sufferings that came from those spikes. You know, his lacerated veins and his crushed tendons throbbed with incessant agony, and the wounds that were exposed upon the cross were moving toward gangrene. You know, the arteries of our Lord, and especially about the head and the stomach, were oppressed with surcharged blood. So it is in this kind of agony, in this kind of suffering, Jesus' lips become parched and dry with thirst, and he cries out 
agony from the cross, and he says, I thirst. I thirst. You know, one of the greatest sufferings that can come to a man is to have that kind of thirst. But how paradoxical, how ironic that on the cross of Calvary, he who was the water of life, he who was the fountain of life, he who was the life giver, would thirst and cry to men, I thirst. Jesus, this Savior who created the oceans, Jesus, this Savior who made the fountains of water who, and all the flowing springs in this world, would cry from Calvary's cross, I thirst. This is a significant saying. It tells us, first of all, about the humanity of Jesus. You know, Paul writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.16, he said, Great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus became a man in order that we might be, that he might be our substitute on the cross. You know, the Bible is quite emphatic in telling us that it was necessary for Jesus to be both God and man for him to qualify as our Savior. And he was both God and man, fully God, fully man, as much man as if he were not God at all, and as much God as though he were not man at all. He was the God-man. On the human side, Jesus, our Lord, was Son of Man. And on the divine side, he was son of God. I thirst is an expression of his humanity in that he battled as a man. Jesus Christ went to the cross and he met Satan and he met all the hot powers of hell and all the forces of evil, not as the son of God, but as a man. Jesus Christ on the cross suffered as you and I would suffer if we were the ones that were dying on the cross. His blood which was shed was real. His agony was real. His pain was real. The Bible says that it was necessary for him to suffer as a man since we as men abandon our salvation. Therefore, as a man, Jesus had to suffer since as a man, Adam sinned. And Jesus had to engage the forces of evil upon the cross and battled as a man on the cross of Calvary. And he became so involved in, in the battle that it was not until after the cry of separation, Oh my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That Jesus noticed his own sufferings. He became so involved with dying for our sin, so involved with suffering in our place that Jesus was not even cognizant of his own personal need until, as a victor, he could cry, I thirst. You see that happening on military battlefields. Many times soldiers will be mortally wounded and they're bleeding. They have great injuries and they will lay all that aside, all thought about that injury, and they continue to press on until the battle has been won. And then and only then do they think about their own need. And so it was with Jesus. Jesus engaged the demons of hell. Jesus took our sin upon himself. And when the victory had been won, he cried, I thirst. But not only is this an expression of his humanity, this is also an expression of his holiness. You know, we also see the deity of Christ in this particular passage. We see his de deity and his holiness 
in that it fulfills the details of Scripture. Look at verse 28 again. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus knowing. He was not in delirium. He was not unaware of what was taking place. But verse 28 says, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Jesus is not a victim on this cross. Jesus voluntarily laid his life down. He said, no man takes my life from me. And Jesus was not held to the cross by nails. Jesus was held to the cross by his own submission to the will of God and by his love for you and for me. And so here on the cross, Jesus is fulfilling all the details of the word of God. The Bible had prophesied hundreds of years before the cross what Jesus would go through. It was prophesied that he would be betrayed by a friend. It was prophesied that he would be denied by one of his disciples. It was prophesied that he would be crowned with thorns. It was prophesied that his enemies would put him upon a cross. It was prophesied that he would agonize and be separated from the love of the Father. And in the 69th Psalm, you'll see an amazing description of how Jesus suffered on Calvary. What a marvelous thing it is. That years before the cross, these things are prophesied. And then in Psalm 69, again, verse 21, it says, And in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. So, in Jesus, this detail is yet to be fulfilled until he cries, I thirst. And in fulfillment of the prophecy, he gets no water. But the soldier reaches up and gives him just a touch of vinegar upon his lips. A savior who is thirsty for cool drinking water gets a sour, bitter taste of vinegar upon that cross, just as the Bible prophesied he would some hundreds of years before. And Jesus shows his holiness when he says, I thirst. And in that he fulfills the detail of Scripture. Also, in your outline, consider that Jesus shows his holiness in that he fixes the destiny of sin. Sin is an appetite wrongly gratified. For example, the appetite of sex. It's not a wrong appetite. There is nothing inherently wrong. There is nothing inherently sinful. And yet, if we fulfill that appetite outside of the bonds of marriage, it becomes a sin in the sight of God and confirms that sin is simply Appetites wrongly gratified. So what are people doing today? They're trying to gratify the appetites of their bodies and of their souls. That's why they go from one marriage to another, from one partner to another, from one drug to another, from one beverage to another, from one job to another, when they pursue from one pursuit to another pursuit. What are they doing? They are seeking to find what will satisfy the craving in their soul, and yet they never find it. Man craves riches and wealth, and he works diligently until he achieves it, and when he achieves it, he finds it's nothing more than a mirage of sand. You know, a man craves this power, 
He craves this influence and he works until he possesses it. And when he possesses it, he finds that it doesn't really satisfy the needs of his heart. The only thing that will satisfy what you're looking for, for the emptiness in your life, for the appetites that cry out for fulfillment, the only thing that can satisfy that is the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, If you'll drink the water that I shall give, you will never thirst again. But until you come to Jesus Christ, you'll come and you'll go from one thing to another, from one pursuit to another, from one pleasure to another, and you'll never really find what your soul is looking for. And so Jesus on the cross fixes the destiny of sin in life. And then he also fixes the destiny of sin in eternity. Do you want to know what, is, what hell is going to be like? It's to be separated from God. And to be separated from God is never having the appetites of the body and the soul satisfied. But it's to have those appetites crying out for fulfillment for all eternity and never having them fulfilled It's to be hungry for all eternity and never having food. It's to be thirsty for all eternity and never having water to drink. It's to crave love for all eternity and never to be loved. That's what hell is. Jesus on the cross was crying, I thirst, I thirst. And they gave him vinegar to drink. That's a picture of a person who dies apart from Jesus Christ, and he goes to a place apart from God, where not only is he tormented in in soul, but one day he'll be tormented in a resurrected body in the fiery flames. All you have to know about hell is to see Jesus suffering on the cross because he suffered our hell for us. But then... I see only an expression, not only see an expression of his holiness, not only see an expression of his humanity, but I see an expression of his heart. When Jesus cried, I thirst. Yes, it was primarily a reference to the physical sufferings of Christ, but oh, it goes so much deeper than that. This great longing in Jesus when he said, I thirst is also one that has spiritual application. Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father today. But we could truthfully say that Jesus even now still cries, I thirst. It expresses his heart, first of all, for the sorrows of men. For Jesus Christ suffered everything that you and I suffer today. Have you lost a loved one? Do you grieve? Have you grieved in the past? Jesus knows what it is to grieve, for you know that he wept at the grave of Lazarus. Do you today face difficulties and problems and hard decisions? Jesus knows what you go through, for he faced them as well. Jesus knows what you feel when you encounter temptations. You know, Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says that he was tempted in all points, but without sin. Now, not only did he open his heart to your sorrows, 
and to the sorrows of men, but he opened his heart to the souls of men. When Jesus said, I thirst, he was saying, I thirst for men to come to me. I thirst for men to have me in their life. I thirst for their commitment. I thirst for their love. I thirst for their worship. I thirst for their adoration. Jesus Christ still thirsts today for the souls of men. And I want to tell you all, Jesus Christ thirsts for you. You want to know what to do with your life? Give it to Jesus. He wants you. The Bible says, my son, give me your heart. That is what Jesus wants today. Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And on the foot, on the cross of Calvary, he thirsted for you. You know, I believe that he looked down the corridors of time into this very service. And he saw and he said, I am thirsty for that person to come to me. Listen, Jesus Christ is thirsting again. He's thirsting for devotion, for our commitment, for our dedication, for our total sacrifice, for all that we are. Jesus is thirsting for us today. Now my closing remarks are for those here who have not yet fully come to Jesus. Sadly, not everyone that I'm discussing believes that they are in this group. Some of you today have tried to satisfy your thirst in the fountains of this world, and you have to admit that deep within something is still missing. You've not found it. And that's because you'll only find it when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Give your life to him. He thirsts for you today. He thirsts for you to simply by faith trust him, receive him, and accept him. And you say, Pastor Dan, how can I do that? How can I know this water of life? How can I receive this fountain of living water? How can I receive the Lord Jesus Christ And the Bible says we receive him by faith. The Bible says if you're willing to call on him with a heart of faith, he'll hear you. The Bible says that he understands you. He knows all about you. And today, he wants to come into your life and be your Lord, be your Savior, be your strength, and be your guide. And so tonight, I want to ask those of you in this group, to invite Jesus into your heart. I want to ask you to just simply open up your life to the one who thirsts for you and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take my problems, take my burdens, take my sin, take my difficulties, take my failures, and Lord Jesus, make me the person that you want me to be. You know, the Bible says that if you are willing to open the door of your life, he will Come in. So I'm going to ask you to do that, to just pray and invite him into your life right now and this weekend as we reflect on his time in the grave. The Good Friday service is over. Sunday's coming. You know, those who have accepted salvation, salvation offered by grace through faith in Jesus, can look forward to Resurrection Sunday because it means life through Jesus forever. 
though still behind, can still reflect on his offer and accept that salvation as you leave here this evening and tomorrow. Be ready. Be ready to be a part of the resurrection and secure eternal life with Jesus. Join the family of God. And listen, there is nothing more tragic than a person who thinks he's saved and he's not. Amen? Amen. See you all Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Don't forget the fellowship between services. Praise God. We'll see you then.